Mission Mobilization Chats with Ryan Shaw, Multiplying Mission Mobilization Movements. This podcast is powered by Global Mission Mobilization Initiative. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Find more exciting resources, teachings, and tools for mission mobilization on globalmmi.net. Okay, so welcome to the sixth episode of Mission Mobilization Chats, where we are looking into relevant content connected to mission mobilization in our denominations, in our church networks, uh, in our individual local ministries, even mobilization one-on-one with friends and, and co-workers and these kinds of things. So in our last episode, we begun looking at the topic of the Holy Spirit's strategy for fulfilling the Great Commission. And so we got about halfway through that in terms of our topic, and so we're calling that part one. So this episode is going to be uh, part number two, looking at that same topic, the overview of the Holy Spirit's four-point strategy to fulfill the Great Commission. So we've seen in previous episodes that the end goal that the Lord has for His church is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 says, once that is completed, and then the end will come, meaning that's when Jesus then will come back. When we have, as the body of Christ, in partnership with the Lord of the harvest, when together we have seen the fulfillment uh, of the Great Commission. So then, what is the Holy Spirit doing to propel us towards that end? That's the subject we're talking about. Now, we are talking about it in very broad terms, okay? We are looking at it from a macro level of the Holy Spirit's four-point plan to accomplish the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So just a little bit of review. In our last episode, we looked at the first two points, strategic points, that the Holy Spirit is propelling the body of Christ into. Let's just look at them, uh, refresh our memories a little bit Uh, very, very quickly. So the first point is that he's raising up what we call in GMMI circles, we call them Great Commission Ministries. So these are local churches, individual local fellowships, maybe a church of 50 people, maybe a church of 5,000 people. The number really doesn't matter, okay? But these churches are doing a few things. They are promoting uh, what we call abandoned devotion to Jesus. And all that means is uh, walking in Jesus' standards of discipleship and promoting that kind of teaching among the people of God in their local church. So not a casual kind of walking with Christ. Yes, okay, I raise my hand, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday, I do my thing. But there really is no vibrant life, inner life. The flame of the Holy Spirit really isn't there in a lot of those types of people's lives. We're not saying that. We're saying a church which is going deep in God. A church which is pursuing wholehearted love for Jesus. Abandoning everything that gets in the way of that kind of love affair, intimate fellowship with the King of Glory who is our Creator God. So a great commission ministry is directing their people, teaching their people, encouraging their people to walk in Jesus' standards of true discipleship. All right, Because... If hearts are ablaze with love for God, then the natural byproduct of that is that those hearts will then be mobilized for what the Lord cares primarily about in the earth. 
So the, those that are really getting a heart for mission, a heart for, to mobilize the people of God, are actually those that love God the most, that are uh, in love with Jesus and focused on what He cares about in His Word. And that's what we're talking about with a Great Commission ministry, a ministry that's on fire for Jesus, a ministry that is teaching their people, every member, not just the ones that maybe already have a little bit of a leaning towards mission. No, not just those. The whole uh, membership of your local ministry becoming educated and inspired and even activated in their particular roles related to the Great Commission. The whole local ministry understanding the Great Commission because the church is implementing some tools into the very life uh, of that fellowship. That's what we're calling, that's this idea uh, that the Holy Spirit has as his first point strategy, the local churches, thousands of them around the earth, every nation having local churches that are becoming Great Commission ministries. This is where the Holy Spirit is taking local churches, not just to be kind of four walls and you meet every Sunday, you do your thing. The focal point of local churches, according to the Word of God, has to have this outreach component looking locally and then also looking globally. This is why the church, uh, truthfully, according to the Word of God, this is why the church exists. So that's his first primary point. Thousands of churches that are raised up with this kind of emphasis all over the earth. If we will see those types of churches, then point number two becomes very, very natural in its outworking. What is point number two? The second strategic point of the Holy Spirit in fulfilling the Great Commission is then raising up, we talked about it in the previous episode, raising up a widespread scattering of, these, of believers from these local churches that are feeling the call now to go out as what we call message bearers. And we even said in the last episode, maybe 20% of every local ministry if we're functioning according to the Word of God, if our churches are functioning according to the leading of the Holy Spirit, maybe 20% of that local church will then be scattered outwards in deliberate going out to plant churches, to start Bible studies, to do all these things, preaching the gospel among the unreached. And we said of that 20%, maybe 15% will go to what we call near culture people groups. They won't cross uh, geographical national borders necessarily. They won't cross oceans, okay? They'll go to unreached peoples that are near to them in culture. They have the same language. They have the same customs. Uh, they have background that is similar, but they're still a different culture and they're an unreached people, but maybe within their own nation. About 15% will go to these types. And then the remaining 5% then will cross uh, uh, borders, they'll cross oceans, they'll go long distances, going to people that are completely different than themselves, okay? We still need message bearers going out to these types. A widespread scattering, 20% of every local church. If you multiply that by the number of local churches that are in the earth, wow, we could see a, a, a massive sending movement to the ends of the earth, a massive sending movement to all the unreached peoples uh, that are needed. This is the second 
point of the Holy Spirit's strategy in fulfilling the Great Commission. Now, in this episode, we're going to look at the third strategy and the fourth strategy, okay? This is a four-point strategy of the Holy Spirit. Again, we're talking in very macro terms. This isn't micro. This is big picture. How the church will become engaged. And then what our responsibility as mission mobilizers is to help individual churches and individual ministries begin to implement their place in this big picture macro uh, strategy that the Holy Spirit has set up. All right, so let's look now at the third point of the Holy Spirit's strategy in fulfilling the Great Commission. So we've looked, number two, at those that are scattered, right? So we have to ask the question, what is these that are scattered, these scattered disciples, what is it that they are doing among the unreached people groups? What kind of activity are they doing? This is very important in our mission mobilization. Are they doing just any kind of activity in the name of mission, or is there some focused activities that the Holy Spirit is wanting these scattered ones to participate in? So we see a progression. Starts with the local churches, millions of them potentially, getting stirred up on fire for Jesus, getting stirred up on fire for the Great Commission vision, getting stirred up with identifying their roles and becoming activated in their roles. Then the second point, 20% uh, of these local ministries being sent out, being scattered okay, to the unreached peoples, not to already reached places. We need to be strategic with what the Holy Spirit is saying. We want to focus on those who have very little access to this gospel of the kingdom message. We're scattering to unreached peoples. Now, the third, what are we doing among them? This is crucial that we get clear from the Holy Spirit what we are meant to be doing. So what are these scattered ones doing among unreached people groups? So message bearer teams are initiating rapid reproducing church planting movements. Some of us have heard of this idea. Sometimes it's called disciple-making movements. There's many different terminologies that are thrown around related to the title that we use. But the idea is usually always the same. Rapid reproducing church planting movements. That is what these scattered disciples, 20% from every local ministry, multiplied times thousands, maybe millions of local ministries, what are they doing among the unreached people groups? They are planting church planting movements. What does this mean? Church planting movements produced toward a thriving, spiritually vibrant, Bible-obeying and Bible-believing church within walking distance of every person on the planet. That is the Holy Spirit's goal. If we want to see the fulfillment of the Great Commission, what is it going to take? It requires uh, the, a living church, not just a few scattered believers, but a living church of believers, okay, that is within walking distance, maybe a 15-minute walk, so that every person on the planet can walk to a living church within a 15-minute walk. Okay, this is crucial, and right now this is not happening uh, around the earth. So this is what church planting movements can produce. Okay, so let me give you a definition of a church planting movement. It's a rapid reproduction of culturally relevant, simple churches which reproduce themselves within the culture over and over again. 
Okay, so a couple things we want to highlight there. Number one, they're simple churches. We want to reproduce simple churches. We don't necessarily need a building for a simple church. We don't need a paid pastor necessarily for a simple church. Okay, there's lots of different ways you can do church without all of the things that when we think of church, we think those things are so important. Okay? There's a lot that can be studied and talked more about this. We're just going quickly. We're just scratching the surface. Hopefully in, in future episodes, we'll come back to this concept of mobilizing uh, the scattered disciples going out in all the unreached people groups to do this work of seeing sustained, established, uh, rapid reproducing church planning movements taking place. So they're multiplying simple churches. What else did we say about them in this definition? We said that a church planning movement is a rapid reproduction of culturally relevant churches. So that doesn't mean we're reproducing churches like from where I come from. So if I live among an unreached people group, I need to plant a church starting with a little Bible study that uh, grows and develops into a little church. We're not talking about large numbers. When we're reaching unreached people groups, most of these are in places that are hostile to the gospel right now. Okay, So the governing authorities will not let us go and build a nice big church with a big cross on the front. Okay, And in fact, this is not the standard, this is not what we see in the New Testament. We don't see buildings that are churches. Instead, we see most churches meeting in homes. They're small groups. Maybe today they're meeting in office buildings. Maybe today they're meeting in schools. Wherever they're meeting, maybe they're 15 people, maybe 30 people, maybe 50 people. The number doesn't matter. We need to get out of our mindset that church means we have to have at least 100 people to have church. No. That is a false, that is a, a human definition of what the Holy Spirit has designed as church. We need to come back to his understanding. So a church planning movement is a rapid reproduction of culturally relevant, that means we're doing it in their way, not our way, a way that is relevant to the culture that they live in. So how do they have meetings? Maybe they all sit on the ground uh, on cushions around the earth. Who has said that we need to have these rows of seats to do church? No, that's something that man has created over time. So they're culturally relevant. They're simple churches. But then those simple churches are reproducing themselves. So if the church gets to 30, maybe they start in a home, they have 10 people. They go to 20 people. Then they go to 30 people. Then they say, well, we're kind of outgrowing our little house. So then the temptation is to say, well, let's move to a bigger building and build a church. But the New Testament model is, no, don't move to a new building. Instead, multiply yourself. Start a new group out of the group of 30. So maybe half of that goes to a new location and begins a new house church or begins a new office church. They're reproducing themselves over and over within the culture that they are found. This is a church planning movement. Now, it's common in missions to do a lot of diverse activities. This is fine if there is a clear link to the big picture purpose of seeing church planning movements uh, reproduced over and over within an ethnic people. Lots of things that we can do in terms of ministry among unreached peoples, but they According to the scriptural account, they need to lead 
to church planting movements. So let's give an example. If we're doing evangelism, if we're out on the streets doing street evangelism, and if this does not lead to connecting the new believers that we reach out on the streets, if street evangelism does not lead to connecting these new believers into vibrant, small uh, churches, then we've not aligned with the fullness of the Holy Spirit's strategy. Okay? So the diversity of our mission activities needs to feed into this vision of the Holy Spirit of reproducing church planning movements within the culture that we are serving. Let's move on now to the fourth and final point of the Holy Spirit's strategy in fulfilling the Great Commission. So we've seen in number three, the third point, that what the scattered believers from the second point are doing among unreached people groups is they're reproducing church planning movements all across that culture. Okay, So the final point now is seeing these church planning movements that are now being produced, the Holy Spirit doesn't end with that. It's not good enough just to have as many of these churches as possible within 15-minute walking distance. That's good. But the Lord has a plan to use those millions of new, small, simple, culturally relevant churches. He wants to use them for the fourth uh, strategic point that the Holy Spirit has. And that is that church planning movements produce people movements to Christ across every single unreached people groups. Okay? Now, let's look at this in Scripture. It's very surprising. It was surprising to me, at least, the first time I noticed this. When I studied in the New Testament, and I came to find how few people, in terms of the recorded uh, conversions to Jesus Christ, the, the recorded times in Scripture where someone chooses to come out of their pagan lifestyle and to begin to follow Jesus with all their heart, I was surprised to find that in those recorded situations, hardly any of those people come to Jesus on their own. Meaning, they usually come in a group setting. Now, to understand this, we need to come back to the culture of the New Testament. The culture was a community-based culture. Many of us today, we sometimes live in individualized cultures where we're focused on winning one person to Jesus or discipling one person at a time, okay? And that's our individual culture shining through very brightly. But the Bible itself is not speaking to that kind of a culture. The, the historic account of the New Testament church was a community-based culture, a communal culture. That meant that they do things as a community. They make decisions as a community, not just me saying, well, I'm going to follow Jesus by myself, come what may. No, the group, whether it's a family, whether it's a, a uh, kind of a, a work group, whether it's a town, whether it's a village, okay? The point is that people movements to Christ represent groups coming to Jesus uh, together as a group, not just as one individual. Now, obviously, every individual in their heart needs to choose Jesus. Every individual in their heart needs to recognize what the Bible says, that they are a sinner, and they are uh, believing that Jesus took their place 
uh, on that cross so that they don't uh, have to die for their own sin. So before the wrath of God, the blood of Jesus took their place as a sinner. This is a beautiful thing. And every individual needs to buy into this. Yes, it's true. But how the Lord works in uh, cultures like this that are community-based cultures is that together they decide to move forward. And as a group, over time, all the individuals within that group make that decision to follow Jesus. And so in the New Testament, we see this all over the place. This surprised me. It actually shocked me. Because as an American, I come from an individual culture. So we all make our individual, we raise our hand, oh, I'll follow Jesus. Okay? I didn't find that in the New Testament. What I found is families that together are choosing to follow Jesus. Whole groups that are choosing, I'm going to follow Jesus. And this, uh, this, this corresponds with missions history, where many people throughout missions history have come to faith together. Okay, So us as these scattered message bearers going out to the unreached, us as these ones that are planning church planning movements, the Lord wants to use these little churches within 15 minute walking distance of every person on the planet. He wants to use those to draw people movements to himself, not just one by one evangelism, not just one by one coming to faith in Jesus. That's how we've tended to do uh, our mission outreach. But the Bible, the Holy Spirit, the New Testament reveals a different model. It says, no, whole groups can come to faith in Jesus uh, together. Now, we know this is so effective because the gospel moves most effectively along relational lines, across the lines of family units, across the lines of uh, those that are good friends. So if, if I have a group of 15 people that are very tight-knit as close friends, and I begin to talk to them about the importance of following Jesus, there's a good chance that over time, that whole group of 15 will say, yes, I want to follow the Lord. We all want to come into the kingdom of God. We want to do this in unity. We all want to do this together as a community. Or maybe it's an office group, co-workers in a business or in a company. Okay? That over time, they together begin to decide, we're going to follow Jesus as a group of 15 or 20 or 50. Okay? We know that sometimes whole tribes of maybe 100 people, whole villages in these communal cultures, they will often together say, yes, we as a village, we're making a choice. We're going to follow this Jesus. He's going to become our new king. We're going to do whatever he says, and we're going to read the New Testament and the Gospels to find out of what he commands us. So these kinds of group conversions, we can call them, these kind of group coming to faith in Jesus, missiologists have termed this over time, people movements to Christ. So peoples, what that means is whole peoples, family lines, relational units, they together are making uh, decisions to follow Jesus in this way. So the reason this is important, again, is because the gospel moves most effectively along these relational lines. So it's actually abnormal, though it does happen, uh, street evangelism where we're reaching out to people for the love of Jesus and they just they come to faith in Jesus. It does happen, okay? But it is the rare thing. It's the exception to the rule. Most people around the earth today, especially in unreached people, most people come to Jesus not by hearing about it from a stranger 
street evangelism, though again, God does do that. Most of it is through trusted relationships in families, in office buildings, in schools, in villages, in towns, where you know the people and you're influencing them to come into the kingdom. And then those believe or those new uh, or, or those those people that you're working with, they come into the kingdom all together and they that establishes immediately a new church. And that is the beginning point of your new church. And then you continue to multiply those, the church planting movement. So if we will implement this idea and have and begin thinking and praying, allow our prayer lives for the unreached to have church planting movements being what we're praying for. People movements to Christ, whole groups coming to faith of, in, in Jesus and seeing that multiplied over and over and over across the unreached people group. Well, that unreached group will quickly, if we see this happen, that group will quickly become reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is after. So we're going to conclude with that. We've looked at this session or this episode at two of the four. In the previous episode, we looked at the first two of the four points that the Holy Spirit is highlighting and wanting us to align with. Not just doing our own mission activity. It's very common in mission to kind of have our own methods, our own ideas of what we think might work to reach other people for Christ. How much better to come back to what the Holy Spirit through the New Testament has revealed to His church for all time. Okay, these are timeless principles. And as we look to fulfill the Great Commission at this kind of this pivotal time that we're living in, in 2020, we're moving closer to this fulfillment. And the Holy Spirit says, my church, I want you to align with doing it my way. Don't just have your own good ideas, but let my plans become your plans. Let my will become your will uh, for the purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission. How do we develop a strategic plan for this, that, and the other? And that's good. We need to do that. But when we do that, we need to say, Lord, what's your plan? What's your macro? What's your big picture strategic plan? He is the all-wise God who set the great commission in motion to begin with. And so we need to go to him and say, Lord, I'm putting off my education and off everything that I've learned. I want to hear from you. What is it that you are asking the church to be about? And how can I mobilize your body to align with your perfect plans in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Let me close us uh, in prayer. Father, we thank you for these second two strategic points. Lord, these rapid reproducing church planning movements among every unreached people group so that a, an individual uh, church, Lord, can be developed within 15-minute walking distance of every person of every unreached person that right now is outside of any knowledge of the living God. Lord, so that they can be brought into understanding who you are, the God that created them, the God that knows them, the God that uh, sees their, their hurts and their pains and their longings. Lord, we long for your church to arise and cooperate and partner with this vision of church planning movements all over the earth, all over the unreached people groups. Lord, in that point, leading on to the fourth strategic point, to see powerful people movements to Christ, Lord, among Muslim people groups, among Hindu people groups, among Buddhist people groups, among atheist people groups today. 
Lord, so many different backgrounds, Lord, that need these people movements to Christ. Most people will not come to you by themselves. Lord, they'll come with their families, though. They'll come with their co-workers. They'll come with their, their good friends. Lord, they'll come with their, their, their classmates at the university. Lord, we're praying for people movements to Christ, getting out of our mentality of one-by-one one evangelism and instead seeing entire villages, entire towns. Lord, we're reminded in the book of Jonah of the city of Nineveh. The entire city, the Bible says in the book of Jonah, turn to faith in Yahweh God, in Jehovah God. Lord, this is powerful. This is a study of people movements to Christ. Nineveh is, is an example of people movements. I ask Holy Spirit that you would empower us to mobilize your church, Lord, with these strategic points in mind, to help your church to focus on seeing these things accomplished through them as a local body of Christ, through these Great Commission ministries, which is that first strategic point of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we bless you. We ask that you would ignite these four strategic points all across the body of Christ. Ignite mission mobilizers, Lord, to walk in spiritual authority and power by the Holy Spirit's anointing. Lord, to see these four focused on. Lord, we thank you for these things. We love you and bless you. Lord, it's so exciting to get to partner with you in 2020. Lord, this year, as we're seeing the fulfillment of the Great Commission come into more focus, Lord, we thank you for that. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We pray the Lord would bless you as you've listened to this, as you continue to ponder these ideas, and as we continue to look into future episodes together. God bless you. To listen to more Mission Mobilization Chats, subscribe on YouTube or go to globalmmi.net.